Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. And we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Come listen. We're a couple of sisters. It's great. <laughs> is this the Muppets? Yep. I'm a mom. I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm a mom in San Diego with a bunch of kids. I'm single and alone because I'm an adult baby. Go ahead. Quick. She's in Hollywood. All right, listen awesome. to us. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Go. Give some seconds. Life, love, and pubic hair, people. Come take a listen. See you later. Bye. Hello, you're listening to the Trouble Trouble Podcast, and I'm your host, Seth. I'll be your host for this adventure. Before I get started, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll have all the podcasts delivered right to your app of choice. If you make it to the end and enjoyed yourself, leave us a review. All right, so what album am I covering this week? It may be the gayest podcast that I ever do. This week, we are talking about Pansy Division's first album, Undressed. This was a hard episode to research as this band hasn't sold as many albums or had the success that the bands have that I have covered so far. My sources that I use to research this album are the 2008 documentary, Pansy Division, Life in a Gay Rock Band, directed by Michael Carmona. I also listened to the podcast Turned Out a Punk, as well as a few articles I could find. I will make a quick disclaimer that while this is a family-friendly podcast, there will be a lot of discussions that involve sexual topics of the homosexual persuasion. Okay, now that I've got you hooked and wanting to stay, let's get into the adventure. I hope you brought your backstage passes. Pansy Division was formed by John Ginoli. He grew up in Peoria, Illinois, but went to college at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Growing up, he was always interested in music. He would make playlists and purchase vinyl when he could afford it, starting from a very young age, around six. As many of us in the community do, John struggled with his sexuality growing up. He also fell in love with punk music when it exploded in 1976. He was interested in UK bands like the Sex Pistols and even started his own zine. What's a zine, you may be asking yourself? It's a very DIY way of publishing your ideas without needing anyone's permission like editors do in magazines like Cosmopolitan or Vogue. John's zine featured as much information about the British punk scene as he could fit in it, and he did it himself. Remember DIY from the last episode about Green Day? Good. He was in a band in college called The Outnumbered. He was the only gay member, so he felt like he had to change the gender in the songs he was writing to reflect the heterosexual band members' interests. After graduating college, he stayed in town to continue his band. Three albums and two nationwide tours later, the band broke up. With no reason to stay in town anymore, John sold all his gear and moved to San Francisco, perhaps with a flower in his hair. He thought his days playing music were over. 
he had a goal to be in a band and had that experience come to fruition. Getting close to that dreaded age of 30, he thought his chances were over. Not many bands get signed once you turn 30. And in the gay world, honey, you might as well be dead. Trust me. Ask my love life. After a year and a half living in the mission in San Francisco, that's the name of one of the hip neighborhoods in the Bay for those of you who haven't been, John was working at Rough Trade. Rough Trade is, well, (laughs) I'm sure some of you have had some Rough Trade, but Rough Trade is a record label. He was around musicians and still had the urge to start an all-gay punk band. He formed Pansy Division as a solo act at first. He took the name as a play on the Panzer Division, an armored tank division from the German army in World War II, substituting the word Pansy, Pansy being a derogatory word used against homosexuals. In a 2016 interview with the Chicago Tribune, John described the reason for starting the band, quote, When we began the band, it felt like gay people were underrepresented in the media and in music. The people who we thought were gay were not out or they were semi-out, but it was always a vague thing. We thought that the time had come to not be vague about it. Since we didn't have a big career we needed to protect, we thought we'll be the ones who can say whatever we want to say. We were very clear about not censoring ourselves. That meant using certain language and singing about certain subjects that we hadn't really heard before. Starting the band felt patriotic in a way. We were supposed to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in this country. But people tell you that your happiness is illegal. We didn't want to be second-class citizens, so we didn't act like second-class citizens. We were very assertive. End quote. John never felt like he belonged in the gay scene. He didn't have abs or enjoyed going to clubs or even the loud dance hits that they would play in bars even when it didn't make sense. Watching this documentary, I felt so intensely connected to his story. It's like we live the same life. I too didn't grow up enjoying the typical gay things. I remember a big question that I would get asked in college was, who was your favorite diva? I didn't have one. I didn't grow up listening to that type of music. I had no clue what to say. I never really felt that connection with any of the powerhouse women growing up. I liked punk and alternative music. It was just so hard to relate to other gay people or family, as you would say. Are you part of the family? I've never enjoyed going to clubs and bars surrounded by hundreds of people you can't have a deep conversation with. When John started Pansy Division, he played as a solo act just him on stage with his guitar. Well, in 1991, he placed an ad in the San Francisco Weekly newspaper looking for gay musicians into the Buzzcocks, Ramones, and early Beatles. Very quickly, this caught the eye of Chris Freeman, who was originally from Seattle, Washington. He became the bass player. Like John, he also thought his days of being in a band were over. In the first five years of Pansy Division, They went through 12 drummers. It's like Pearl Jam all over again. Some drummers weren't great. Others' personalities clashed. 
1996, their now permanent drummer joined the band. So for all intents and purposes, their drummer is Luis Elades. Luis is from Tijuana, Mexico, but traveled between there and San Diego, California, where he attended a Pansy Division show. Years later, when there was an opening, they invited Luis to join the band. No one asked, but Luis is so cute. You should go Google a picture of him. Just hit pause, but make sure you come back. Like we discussed in the last episode, punk likes to have subgenres. Pansy Division is considered queer core or homo core or even queer punk. What's queer core? It's a genre of music featuring all queer members of the band playing music, featuring all queer members of the band playing punk music about homosexual issues such as lifestyle or homophobia. Pansy Division came up with other queercore bands like Bikini Kill and the Riot Girl scene out of Olympia, Washington, and God is My Co-Pilot and Tribe 8 out of San Francisco. You should definitely go check out those bands too. John had the idea for the first record. He had most of the songs written and recorded already before the band even came to be. He had recorded the demos for the whole album. Most of them were good enough to make the final cut. Chris only played on about four of the songs on the album. The first song he ever wrote was Femme in a Black Leather Jacket. After extensive touring in California and putting out a few 7-inch records, Pansy Division signed to Lookout Records in 1993. Does that sound familiar? It should. That's the same label that Green Day was on before signing to a major label. John actually never got to see Green Day play because they would always cancel their San Francisco shows. They would get stoned and pull out of gigs in the city because they didn't want to cross the bridge. Normally, I would stop the story here as the album was out. However, for the sake of storytelling, I'm going to continue a little bit. After they put out their second album, Deflowered, in 1994, Green Day invited them out on tour just after putting out their album, Dookie. John finally got to see Green Day play live. In an interview with The Village Voice, Billy Joe said about Pansy Division, quote, As far as I'm concerned, I think that a band like Pansy Division saves people's lives. A lot of kids go through life not knowing what their sexuality is about. But if someone has sort of the same ideas and feelings they do and a sense of humor thrown on top of it, that really helps. By the time the tour was booked and when it actually started, Green Day had blown up. Some of the promoters in cities along the way tried to pull Pansy Division from the bill due to their flamboyant stage performance and overtly sexual lyrics. However, Green Day said that if they pulled Pansy Division off the lineup, they wouldn't play the show either. Green Day was massively popular in this snapshot of 1994 life, gaining popularity from their exposure on MTV. They even picked Pansy Division as openers to mess with the jocks that were now going to their shows after seeing the Longview music video on MTV. That thrilled Pansy Division and helped catapult them to a whole new level. The last stop on that tour was Madison Square Garden. For a relatively unknown indie pop-punk band like Pansy Division, that was huge. It was pretty dangerous for such a loud gay band to tour the country in the mid-90s. 
Coming out of the rise of AIDS, gays were definitely not accepted. A lot of people hadn't even ever seen a gay person, or at least they didn't know that they had. The band members even set a time to call friends back home every night. If they didn't call, their friends would know something happened to them. While a lot of closeted gay people appreciated and related to the shows, not all of the audiences appreciated that stage performance. They would often have half-naked guys dancing on stage while they played. The band recalled about one particular performance. Quote, We got hit with coins in Detroit. That was the worst reaction we've ever had. On the other hand, we walked away with $30, so it was like tips. End quote. All right, let's switch gears. What are the themes on this album? The themes are obvious. We're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Pansy Division was always formed with the intention to be role models to the queer community. In the 90s, being out was more dangerous because there wasn't as much visibility in the media like there is now. It's 2020, and it's still dangerous to be gay. I mean, look at the 2016 Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. Quote, Younger people, they've never seen anything like Orlando. They don't remember the bad old days where it was much more dangerous to be out, Ginoli told Rolling Stone magazine. So I think it's scared some people back, and that's understandable. But our message is to be brave, to go out there. We've always thought that the best defense is a good offense, end quote. That's the same attitude they bring to their shows. When they started the band, John and Chris thought their live audience would be other 30-somethings that didn't like going to clubs and doing stereotypical gay things. However, a lot of younger people came to the shows. They were met with impressionable youth. So their flamboyance and confidence that they exuberated in their live performance was so formative on a lot of people. The overall theme of this record is to be yourself. Whether it's femme, gay, or anything in between, it's okay. You're enough. You're valid in this world. These are the things we need to hear in music because we often grow up being told the exact opposite. If you're listening to this podcast, know that I strongly affirm that message. It's hard growing up gay. It can be lonely, but you can put on a Pansy Division record and feel fierce. All right, now let's talk about some of my favorite lyrics. This was a hard album to choose lyrics from because I so deeply connected to many of them. A lot of the lyrics are pretty sexually suggestive. So I tried picking more family-friendly ones. (laughs) I suggest you go discover this album for yourself. You may just find your favorite new queer core band. In the song Versatile, Ginoli says, There's a few straight guys I know. They want to know who plays the woman's role. I shake my head and say it's not like that. Some guys have the imagination of a doormat. Our roles are not cast in stone. We trade off getting boned because we're versatile, end quote. I enjoyed this lyric because when I first came out of the closet and even to this day, 
I feel like straight people ask me this all the time. Who's the girl and who's the guy in this relationship? Honey, we're both the guy. That just shows the heteronormative roles that straight people can't always wrap their heads around. A couple isn't a man and a woman. That's not what homosexual people strive for in a relationship. Beyond that, a couple could be a girl and a girl, or a boy and a boy. It could even be a man and they, or a woman and they. The gender binary is a myth. Some people are even asexual, and that's okay too. In the song Femme in a Black Leather Jacket, John sings, I don't like macho. Put it away. Doesn't appeal to me, straight or gay. But I know a boy who catches my eye. He don't act tough. Why should he try? In the gay community, it can be quite toxic. You hear the term mask for mask a lot, reinforcing internalized homophobia. If you listen to my other podcast, you'll know that my other interests lie with androgynous or femme-presenting people. This is starting to turn into a personal ad. (laughs) But for real, if you're into pansy division and single, hit me up. (laughs) All right. Later in the song, he states, with his long, long hair and pouty lips, cute little butt and sexy hips, the way he moves has me inspired. He's the boy that I require. That's a pretty good description of the boy that I require too. All right. Seriously, that's enough of that. In the song, Boyfriend Wanted, John states, Frustrated, sitting at home, life's too short to spend alone. So you throw some clothes on that tired body, venture out and try to meet somebody. But it's temporary gain to tide you over to keep you from going insane. This is an experience that many gay people can relate to. Even straight people too, I'm sure. As a single person, I feel like I should be going out to meet people. But in bars, you get drunk, take someone home, and then never hear from them again. It's an exhausting way to live, but life's too short to spend alone. So how do you meet someone? It's a frustrating feeling that I have definitely experienced more times than I could even count. Okay, well this is Pansy Division, so I did have to pick one lyric that's just plain fun. He thought about it for a long time, about being attracted to his own kind. He's ready to take those fantasies and make them into something real, and finally do all the things he's been dreaming of. He's joining the Cocker Club. That's from the song, The Cocker Club if you couldn't figure it out. (laughs) No explanation about this lyric really other than coming to terms with your own sexuality. I mainly chose this one for fun. All right, so we've reached the end of the podcast. Normally, I just go into the outro, but this episode is special to me. I just wanted to say whether you're heterosexual or fall under the LGBTQIA bubble, it's okay to be you. It's okay to like whatever music you like. Just live life furiously, authentically, and full of love. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Trouble Trouble podcast. The theme music you heard at the top of the show was made by me. 
The logo was illustrated and designed by the amazingly talented queer artist, Will Jameson. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at the Will Jameson. This is an indie podcast, which means no commercials, at least for now. It also means that I can't use the clips from the album we discussed because my lawyers have advised against it. Copyright laws, am I right? The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe, tell a friend, and leaving a review. It really helps other music fans find this show. If you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, feel free to listen to my other podcast, Thanks for Coming, a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. I record that show with two of my best friends, Jamal and Stoney. You can find us at TFC Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's all I've got for you now. If you made it through the whole podcast, you rock. I'll see you at the next show in two weeks. Friday night, be there. With that, I'll see you next time at the show. And before I sign off, I would like to, of course, extend the invitation to John Ginoli, Chris Freeman, and the rest of the boys of Pansy Division to come on the show. I'd love to interview you. Pick your brains a little bit. Signing off, I'm your host, Seth. Rock on, young savior. Don't give up your hopes.